Sean Hogarty. Good morning. My favorite part of every week is Sean laughing during DJ's hello to the point where he has to catch his breath before he says hello. Because it's pretty much always the same, but always different and always makes me smile. Particularly if you can see him do it, it's it's even it's even more special. The video makes it all worthwhile. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Uh, How are you guys doing? Good, good. It's a so we survived our first winter snowstorm up here in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I live the f- southernmost of the three of us, I think, so I got the least. I only got mm, like three inches of very heavy slushy crap. This motherfucker makes yeah. stuff in Atlanta. I'm the southernmost. I'm the southern. Hey, it makes a difference here. <laughs> yeah, I right? know it does. We're right on the line. Yeah. You have that mythical pike line. For whatever reason, snow can't go below the mass pike. They built the mass pike on a weather fault, and they'd even know it. <laughs> DJ call. lives right in the middle of the purple dot on the stage. <laughs> Always. Hey, uh, uh, Worcester, Mass, uh, Amer- North America's snowiest city in 2017, I think we were. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, we, we had more snow than like. Made. We had, yeah, we had like more snow than Alaska. It was, we were the number one <laughs> snow accumulating city. Mm. Alaska is yeah. quite temperate. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and as a and as a bonus, they didn't clear any of it all year because our city's plowing sucks. But I, I was randomly looking at the the temperatures as I went to bed a couple nights ago because it was a, it was kind of warm. It was like you know fifty something, and I, one of the cities I have saved in my you know my weather app is uh, Ridgecrest, California, one of my favorite places. Uh, and it you know high desert, um, but generally an arid you know warm place and it was like 30 degrees there but it was 51 here um that was strange i guess high desert at night but uh in the winter nice arizona does that too sometimes yeah oh yeah Mm -hmm. also just falls off a cliff when the sun goes down go to vegas in like december yeah walk outside the casino at night it's nice it's nice Mm. so what's going on since we last talked so we've Way, way back when, you know, many, many moons ago, we started this whole s- stupid thing. Um, we, we were trying to kind of like figure out like a way to like structure the show. So we did a batch of um, 80s episodes, like movies and music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we figured it's been a while since we did anything that wasn't because there's been so much this year. It's been nothing but news and movie crap and comic book stuff and people mm-hmm. passing away and. You know, movie theaters closing and all that stuff. And Pop so we culture, figured, death. <laughs> pretty Pandemic. much. So we figured we'd try to maybe loop back around and, and, and finish off that 80s movie series. We can um, never finish it off. We never finish it off, but like, let's conclude chapter It'll be one. ongoing pen. forever. Ongoing. Yeah. But um, one thing we do have to bring up, because it's kind of, it relates to movies, and it's, I don't, it's subpar, is... um. There was some news from uh, AT&T Warner Media this week. Hmm. Uh, does anyone want to explain it or you want I, me to I take don't, it? Or? Okay. You're assuming so, I have any current news. Sure. I, I, mean, I don't yeah. I can jump in if you want. Yeah, um, go for it. Warner essentially came out and said for all of 2021, they will be releasing every movie day and date, both online for streaming as well as in the theater. In HBO Max? In HBO Max, currently just in the U.S. HBO Max isn't. I've seen some of our friends from England and other places complaining that they're not gonna 
have access to that just yet because the mm-hmm. app's not over there. But if you're an HBO Max subscriber in the United States, you will get their entire slate of movies in your home the day out. they drop. Including Matrix 4, yeah. uh, Tom and Including Jerry. Suicide Squad. Suicide uh, Squad, yep. Godzilla versus Kong. All their entire slate. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely new and interesting, right? It's certainly a... It's certainly a benefit for subscribers, right? Oh, wait, I can just subscribe and get literally every movie that comes out without incremental cost. And in the wonderful Disney Plus model of you're not getting Hamilton for free, there are no more free trials. Right. Yeah. Well, there should be at this point. They're going to get you at least for $15. Although if you have an AT&T cell phone, there's ways to get HBO Max for free. Yeah. Just by being part of their ecosystem somewhere else. Yeah. So the first movie in this whole thing is Wonder Woman, which comes out on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Wonder will be available on HBO Max. Little aside, reviews have started to drop in. They said it has been screened for critics and they've done the press zooms. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the review is through the roof. Yeah. Good. All I read yesterday was people gushing over it that they can't wait to write these reviews. So. Yeah, I knew it was going to be. I mean, Patty Jenks makes excellent films. Gal Gadot's an excellent Wonder Woman. And Woman's just one of those characters, too. It's like, you know, you don't have to go. They didn't have to, like, they could say the same direction as the books. You know, she's not, like, super dark like Batman where you have to lighten up or super, like, quirky like Superman where you have to, like, work around the invincibility factor. And she's just, she's a, she translates well into the movies. And everything's Mm -hmm. cast right. And although I'm still a little... Kristen Wiig as Cheetah was a little odd to me, but we'll see how it goes. But plus, it really depends upon the tone and and yeah. how they present the character. But they're doing like meta human Cheetah, not like onesie Josie and the Pussycats bass player Cheetah, which is nice. Uh, plus, like all it's, it seems like, well, because it is nineteen, it's eighty four. Um, I would imagine the majority of the visuals and the storyboarding it's all based off the Perez run. That volume yeah. two Wonder Woman, which is which, excellent. Yeah, I love, yeah. Yeah. I mean, gold wings. I mean, that's all you, you get the golden wings. Yep. Well, I'm definitely excited for that. Um, I'm excited that that uh I remember whose idea it was. One of you guys, you know, we're we're actually assuming the world doesn't get worse, which it will, but hopefully it doesn't get that much worse. For us. We're gonna actually see the movie together in a theater, which is kind of exciting. Um I'm going either way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I may be there by myself, but <laughs> well, sure. No, I'll be there. I'll be yeah. There. No, this is um. On top of the fact that it's like I was saying to you guys, I'm. I I will say I'm desperate to get back into the movies. Movie watching yeah. in the theater is one of my all time favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that like for for the kid for Athena, this is her character. Like yeah. I accidentally raised her on that Linda Carter Wonder Woman series. She loves Wonder Woman. So she just she wants to see that she wants to watch that thing now. She's pissed she wait she's like, I want it now. I want to watch it now. So well, I'm glad it was you interesting. Know. I told I told Jen and the girls that that we were gonna go see it and it only was like a day or two later when Jen said something and I realized she literally thought we were seeing some Wonder Woman movie from nineteen eighty four. And so she was she was not particularly jazzed, but she's like, well, okay, you got us tickets. We'll, you know, we'll go see it with and see everybody. Um, but I'm like, no, it's a movie that is now set in our favorite period of the universe. 1984. Yes. So, 
Yeah, and um, you know, it's plus on top of us going to see a movie that we all want to see mm-hmm. badly, and it's going to be very good. And more importantly, especially on top of this, this Warner news is that we're helping put some money into the movie theater business, even though it's not going to matter yeah. in the grand scheme of things. But you, I just feel better about doing it because I don't want movie theaters to go away. I don't want them. Yeah, to go this away. this is not enough to keep movie theaters right. in there. I haven't bought popcorn yet. Once I start buying popcorn and, and cocktails, it might spike things. <laughs> Stock prices might go up, but cocktails, yes, that's like a thousand percent markup. I'm holding on to my Disney stock just for your vacation in January. I'm waiting for you to get there. <laughs> I'm going you haven't key, contributed man. to the ecosystem in a while. I'm going low key. Uh, I still think you're going to see Warner is saying that this is a one year trial. Yeah. If this works and the subscriber count goes up, it changes the expense structure for them. I don't, I think there's at least a possibility that this is going to continue on beyond next year. Yeah. You'll see movie theaters will still live. There's still going to be people that want to go see it in the theater. Yeah. yeah. But there is a huge portion of the populace now that is used to just waiting for whatever it is to drop on their TV. Yeah. And they will, they'll compensate. Well, I mean, I know you guys have brought up like the whole, you know, reoccurring revenue, guaranteed reoccurring revenue is a glorious thing. Not but guaranteed. I still, not um, recurring. Right. There's okay, momentum. Yeah. There's not a guarantee. Understood. So it's, it's a grand thing, but I still don't see how. With just not have with cutting out movie theaters, when you have stuff like Wonder Woman, probably would have made about eight hundred million dollars in a normal year. Godzilla, King Kong, eight hundred million dollars. You have to get that money back somewhere to make these two hundred dollar, two hundred million dollar movies. Like you have to eventually start like, oh hey, it's gonna be on max. But if you're not like max platinum for like the extra ten bucks a month, you have to wait three months or something like that. You know, the the streaming revenue has a different cost structure, but its margins and the fact that it's flowing through fewer middlemen, the margins are massive and the costs are relatively manageable from a logistics standpoint. So they're predictable. It's a shift. That's the big thing. Definitely. But when we talk about, I love the $800 million number because we've kind of used, we throw that number around a lot. (laughs) If you don't have to have people see it, then you don't need to market it the same way. It's self-marketing, which reduces your costs. Right, but that eight hundred million, it's you're not making eight hundred million. There's eight hundred million in revenue or eight hundred million in ticket sales. Yes. Half of that's gone. Yep. Half of that is already to the theater. Then you take whatever you well, Kev's talked about a movie math. If it costs yeah. two hundred to make, it's four hundred before you put it out. So you need eight hundred million just to break even on a two hundred two hundred million dollar movie. You don't need that online. Right. I True. can if I make it for a million a hundred million. Like, you know, Amazon's already done this math and it made sense for them to spend 125 on coming to America too. Yeah. It's a different paradigm. The theater owners take it in the shorts. Yeah. No question. Oh, yeah. They're not getting all the revenue from you with the cocktails and the popcorn and the snacks and the dining experience and all those things like that. But there is definitely a world in which, I mean, you, Sean, you were building your new array. Mm -hmm. You know how much it costs to store one movie on a drive somewhere for them to be able to pump that out. Yeah. How about before this, it used to be bandwidth Chris, limitations, but can I is there a timeshare model for movie theaters? Like literal timeshare, right? Maybe mm-hmm. cut your cinemas down to you know old copley size. Remember the you know the 
larger than a home theater, but relative screen size, huge, exquisite, you know, sound and what have you. And now let me timeshare it for, you know, three hours a week or four hours a week or whatever with full hookups. So I can either bring in my game system or, or Mm -hmm. I can do VR with streaming or I can, you know, watch my own server or I can log into my own account or whatever, but something like that, maybe there is a recurring model for having the best in projection screen size, but because, you know, I mean, yeah, no, you could certainly different. I could see that it's not going to be your 15 screen megaplexes. Those will go the way of the dinosaur, right? But you're small. You know, the first thing I thought of when I saw this, the type of theater that's going to survive and thrive in this is like an Alamo draft, oh, draft house. house, right? Oh, Special yeah. events, seventy seat, small, little, intimate, big, good gorgeous food, leather chairs, you good food, dine. good drinks. And if you can give it now, where like when I went on to book the theater for us, here's a screen of twenty movies. Which one do you want? If you want to go watch Die Hard, it's going to cost you a hundred bucks to watch it. You want to watch Christmas Story, it's a buck and a quarter. Yep. Wonder Woman's coming out this month, it costs you two fifty. But you can get if you're, it's all at your fingertips. You can watch them all here. So it doesn't. Yeah. If you can give them access to it and you get the theater sign off, mm-hmm. that you can just go rent your favorite movie. Yeah. Kid I, wants to go see Never Ending Story or something. Whatever. I you can think, go rent you the know, theater for it. It's a shift. So to... no one can see you cry because no one's in the theater. Yeah. If, if you, you do go. it right, it allows the theaters to shift away from middlemen on the Hollywood train into actually selling what their real product is, which is quality, big screens, sur- you know, surround sound, comfort, um, you know, as loud as you want, that type no of thing. No other people. No other people. Well, that, that becomes a new, right? That's, That's the opposite one. of their old model That's is how many people old. we pack in. Now it is, you know privacy or at least you know controlled crowd size on space sanitize you know sanitization what's the you know sanitary conditions hygiene um but but let's 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 cast our brains back to a time period when we used to squeeze into a movie theater with raging laughing crowds of uh neon color wearing uh you know bad hair having <laughs> Possibly some lady smoking in the back. <laughs> I don't know. I think that was vampires. already. Yeah. I don't think there I was much smoking in the 80s in theaters. Uh, but I forget. <laughs> so, you know, we, we touched upon. It was just action. Eastern Airlines. There you go. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> um, We were. Uh, we said we, we talked about like action movies in the 80s and we talked about sci-fi movies in the 80s. And yeah. Like we said before, a lot of these movies do kind of like the one thing about the eighties is a lot of things just cross genres. It was like a funny action movie or like a serious action movie, yes. or like a funny set. So it, mm-hmm. there are blurred lines, but um, the eighties. Excellent video, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the eighties had just like a glut of everything. It was you know the decade of excess, the music, the movies, everything was great. Yeah. Um, so. Comedy movies were right up there too. There was all time movies, all time in this decade. Um, so I think we just, you know, it's kind of just, you know, round table a couple and well, see kinda, where it goes. I, I kind of did a glance through just, you know, just the things on my own shelf from that era. 
Um, and there's so many, you know, like you said, iconic things. I mean, yeah. you know, early in the eighties you had cannonball run, right? Which was for me, I mean, I was a little kid, but, but these ensemble casts cars. So I collected all the matchboxes, but you just Dude. over the top characters and I went back and watched them since quarantine happened. Yeah. I don't know where the hell Harley was, but I got up and watched one and two mm-hmm. for no apparent reason one weekend just to watch. And you want to talk about, I mean, story it's then, I mean, we could write of these course. scripts. This is a oh, five yeah, page yeah. script and Bert, just go do Bert stuff and Dom run around with a mask on. Oh, Dean, I'm going to stretch for you. Just drink. Just right. stand there with a cocktail in your hand and act like drunk Dean Martin. And we're good. Yeah, There you go. Like there's uh, you had you had some movies cool. like like we'll say airplane airplane came out in 1980, mm-hmm. and airplane started almost like an entire new genre of movie basically because without oh, airplane yeah. you don't get the naked guns you don't get the hot shots you don't get all those crappy like disaster movies and not another yep. teen movies and all that stuff but um, you go back and watch airplane now and a lot of it still holds up yeah like the which is really it's a jive and it's the, a loosely strung and, together you know pun fest and oh, yeah. slapstick fest um which i love and some of it's even more mm-hmm. more um relevant now like the scene when the hysteric lady on the plane everyone's just lining up to take a whack at her <laughs> it's like you see that shit now like people freak out on planes and they get yeah. jumped yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna as we go into this discussion can we uh can we all agree that eddie murphy has to be the mvp of 80s movies and TV because he saved Saturday Night Live. Save Saturday Night Live came off. I'm gonna Sean's hedging. Well, just, he's up I, there. I mean, I certainly support that, but I also kind of think Bill Murray is in there for me, right? Um, I Murray's, I think you're right, Murray's Chris. I mean, you know, Eddie Murphy was, you know, he I mean, owned that decade. Beverly Hills yeah. music, and uh, yeah, so. Just a I forgot quick about rundown. his music. That's right. Just from party all the time, man. Oh, that was so my awesome. party. I don't know. Boogie in your butt was the big one for oh, me. Good that was Lord, right so, in my juvenile hotspot. And now Bill had been working in movies, and he had some True. big. I mean, he had Stripes, There's he had stripes. Caddyshack. Ghostbusters. Although Caddyshack wasn't a Bill Murray movie. Yeah, that no, was a Chevy Chase vehicle. Chase Ted Knight. Yeah. Ted Knight voice of, you know, yeah. the super friends. Chevy Chase, but, Fletch, all the vacation movies, but still me, not the heights of it. From day one, okay? Let me just give you a quick rundown. 48 Hours, yep. Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop. Then we take the interlude because I'm so freaking big now I can put out party all the time in 85. <laughs> the Golden Child, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop 2, yep. Coming to America. Coming to America, um, right there. And then you run it back to... Harlem Nights, so that's kind of saw where Harlem before he. Oh my! Good. It it is a who's who of black comedy. I mean, mm-hmm. Red Fox, Richard Pryor. I mean, you have no, I everybody. It is it's good, and that's before nice. he did go and do some serious stuff in the nineties, and really got a didn't start doing Disney stuff until what the late nineties. Mid nineties. I mean, yeah, wanna, was, do you want to count Nutty Professors that started that turn? Yeah. So mid nineties. Yeah, Nutty Professor was yeah, mid nineties. Plus, plus he had two theatrical stand up specials that did very good business in the was in the raw theater. We didn't and, even talk uh, raw and delirious. Yeah. Two of the greatest all time stand up performances. 
All right. So yes. so you're clearly, you know, you're clearly onto something. You can't, you know, yeah. his name what's, has to be mentioned what's, up there. What's the I best pick Eddie one movie. movie for him? Coming to America. Coming to America if you have to yeah. pick one. I but, still I could watch that movie every But it's so months, different. No like uh, you know, 48 hours and trading places are like two completely different places, right? Yeah. Um, trading places were good too though. Yeah. Trading places with the callback and coming to America. Yeah. Yes. My first time ever, like characters crossed. No, not the. Eddie has his own universe. As far I mean, that I'd ever seen, like because I remember watching it. Yeah. And then you find out that's the Duke's brothers on the street. I I also you know I also remember all the the John Hughes stuff, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, uh, you know, uh, Pretty in Pink. Did have that whole crew of people that were showing up in a bunch of movies. Yep. Yeah. He had, uh, but it's really that ensemble. You never had Anthony Michael Hall was not a oh he leading man yeah. on his own. Yeah, it was absolutely. that group yeah. of people. Yep. Um, for for me, you know, just back to general eighties comedy. Big ones for me were Real Genius and Weird Science. Right, yeah, the emergence and, and certainly Revenge of the Nerds. But but Real Genius and Weird Science, more Real Genius for me was such a big deal because it was diving into nerds as protagonist and you know the power of smarts and technology being the the entire context of the movie and its and its hilarity um i how much do you put into the idea that those two are both made my list yeah um, i watched them a ton when i was a kid but i think that's a lot of the cable influence too well, that, when you first got HBO, say, yeah. those two were on in constant. I mean, I so, could have so been Christopher 80s, Knight by the end of the whole thing. Right. I in the 80s, I was, I was 10 to 19, right? I was older than yep. you guys. So by the end of the 80s, I was going to see R-rated movies. You know, I was in college. But, but you're right, Chris. So much of that was early VHS rentals or mm-hmm. HBO and Cinemax and Showtime. Exactly. So, Sean, you just brought up the uh, the R-rated movie thing. So, for me, as a, a deviant, horrible child who shouldn't be watching a lot of stuff that they, they did. You're still um, a deviant, horrible Probably. child. So, for me, the, the big calling card of what made a good 80s comedy movie was two things, curse words and tits. So oh, yeah. You had, so, you had yeah. stuff like Police Academy, all-timer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Risky Business. Yeah. Well, I mean, Risky Business is one of those kind of crossover things you yeah, mentioned like earlier where kinda. it's got, you know, uh, um, yeah, it does have drama. Um, you know, I tried to, as I was thinking through things, there were a lot of movies that I kept out because they were too much of another genre okay. because there are just so many pure comedies, but you're yeah. you're dead on well, there. Then, then you had all the stupid stuff like uh, private school and ski school and all these kind of movies like, yeah. you know, there was something, there was like a score, <laughs> yeah. like an academy for everything. And those were, I mean, those were good watches. HBO yeah. at night. Yep. The different HBO logo would come about. on. Oh my god, I missed that. Coming in over the city and then the HBO logo up yeah. in the Hollywood Hills. And you see like I... nudity. Like, yay. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. DJ's the one guy that still gets excited when he sees that pop up on the Netflix too. Wow, what's nudity? <laughs> Did you uh you can't talk about the eighties without talking about Jack Burton. Big trouble in Little uh, China. Yep. You cannot. Uh it has to be. That's an all-time like movie, man. Like, but it's you. I mean, that crosses. You want to talk about crossing a genre? That crosses all of them at once. See, I was thinking John Candy. You get Candy. a little bit of 
right? Everything. Because yeah. mm-hmm. planes, trains, and automobiles, and automobiles. space balls. Summer uh, rental. Summer rental, Uncle Buck towards Uncle the Buck. end of the 80s. The, yeah, I know. you know. Um, Splash. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought yeah. about Splash. I used to watch Splash. That's a early. Lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. There, there's something about the the 80s. There was there definitely felt like a little more freedom to be stupid or to be stupid in a particular way and still get people to come. Now, you know, it, it's tough to both be mainstream and stupid. I think. Yeah. Right. You don't get you don't get the same we didn't have as many alternatives now. Now the stupid comedies are off, you know, Adam Sandler on Netflix, right? Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're but it's like mm-hmm. the the rosters they were working with in the eighties were just I mean, you don't I mean the nineties had stars too, but like yeah. Tom Hanks was starting off. He brought up John Candy, Eddie Murphy, Bill yeah, Murray. It was the heyday Adam. of the Saturday Night Live cast, you yeah. know, being being a path to cinematic, you know, stardom. Yeah. Or at least the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. You stamped it out for a few of them. Yeah. yeah. Lucy was, Blues Brothers was early 80s. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. There there are a lot of things that were founded in the 80s, like Back to the Future, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. funny as hell, but also started something that continued way past. Or like Twins, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger coming into comedy land um, was. They're still talking about triplets. Oh. I hope they do that. I'd rather them do that Dinklage Momoa thing people want. Like, should we make it with Dinklage and Momoa? That'd be glorious. No, no, they yeah. should make that. Should be quadruplets. Quadruplet. <laughs> they should be part of the mix. Dinklage is busy doing the uh, Toxic Avenger right now. He yeah. is. He's. I think he's gonna yeah. be the mayor of Traumaville. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Talk about. I mean, you could call that a comedy. I watched that when I was a kid, and I shouldn't have. That's that movie's bad. Mm-hmm. Um. How yeah. about um. And there's like different kinds of comedy movies too. You had like, you know, you had like your raunchier stuff, like Fast Times. Sure. You know, uh, everyone wanted to go to a swimming pool dressed like a pirate after that movie. But um, you had stuff like Little Shop of Horrors, you could call a comedy. Yep. Um, Because you had that on top of like, you know, you guys were talking about the uh, SNL path. Mm -hmm. You had that SCTV wave too. So you get your Rick Moranis's and your Eugene Levy's, your John Candy's Mm -hmm. and your Catherine Harris and- Uh, Spinal uh, Tap. You had the, you know, the Christopher Guest. Spinal Tap is an all-timer. The yeah. first Christopher Guest movie, who which I've talked about. That'll be number one on a lot of people's yeah. list. Well, I and, love the Christopher Guest movies. I mean, Rob Reiner had such a, you know, not just comedies, but Princess Bride. I mean, that, that's kind of a comedy, but, There's, but there, uh, that, Spinal Tap yeah. was a career builder for him as a director, right? Didn't he do Harry Met Sally too? Um, yes, he did. Reiner, yeah, I guess yes, that was did. in the 90s though. No, that was 88 or something like that. It might have been late 80s. Yeah, it was in that era. 88, okay. 89, something like that. Yeah, but it's definitely, you know, as I listen to you guys talk about stuff, it, it there's just so much happiness there, simplicity, right? It's, uh, <laughs> you're right, curses you and boobs. You guys had to be, <laughs> what's that? Curses and boobs, right? Yeah, curses and that's boobs. That's what it was. Give me an F, drop an F-bomb and take your shirt off and I'm good. You had, I'm I'm you had a lot of movies that you couldn't pull off these days either. Oh, well, that's There were the bunkerism. True. Like, you're never getting a remake of The Toy. No. <laughs> yeah. it's not yep. happening. No, 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 no. But, yeah. God, um, if you can But put can we the... do Brewster's Millions again, please? Ooh. I loved Brewster's Well, I mean, here's Millions. the thing. You can spend a million dollars about 15 minutes now without actually owning anything. So it's I know. Like, that's... It, have to be Brewster's Millions. You know, <laughs> put on a baseball game because you think you were oil cam boyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, there is stuff you can, like you can never make the toy, which is unfortunate because that ice man, I used to watch the toy probably every three weeks when I was a kid. I don't think I've seen that a second time. Uh, Really? Uh, I wanted a Wonder Wheel so bad as a child. Um, He wants one that's black. No, I want the black man. (laughs) (laughs) Or like Ruthless People. You couldn't do a movie about like kidnapping your wife and like all this. Oh, yeah. You couldn't uh, do that kind of shit, you know? I I think you can. I think it's just a little bit tougher. Or you find the humor in different places. I mean, humor's humor. You just have to... you, You have to shift the object and and range of of the humorous concept into something that's not you know just simply unacceptable in current society but the hum the humor the humanity you know there's still funny there you just have to yeah you know you have to give people crap for for who they are not not uh you know what they are what they look like (laughs) Would we really count the '80s as De Niro's comedic turn? Midnight Run would have to be his first yeah, real part. He had been a pretty go, much big, serious actor. See, I go late '90s with the Fockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Midnight Run was his and... first. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is Midnight Run his first step in that direction? Yeah, yeah but, but then after kind of that, the he heavy. did all this other. You know, he yeah, did. I your, still your think that in, in hindsight, you look back. Yeah, let's take the Fucker movies and put them. It was funny compared to Taxi Driver, but. Those uh, those movies annoy the piss out of me. They're horrible. Oh, I hate them. I, I I'm not. A I big got ben nipples. Stiller Can you guy. milk me? Yeah, fuck yeah. you. I that... don't like Ben Stiller at all. No, watching there's, that one. There's was certain too things I like him in. Yeah. I like yeah, Ben Stiller's. Yeah, me. if he does like a cameo, it's fine. Like Billy Madison or something like that. But like the only like Ben Stiller movie I can even watch is Heavyweights. What's the Dodgeball movie? Dodgeball. I can watch uh, Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yeah, dodgeball? Yeah, yeah, I like him in that. Because he's if you not, can dodge he's a wrench. Like, you can dodge a ball. Know why? Because in that one, he's not Ben Stiller. He's like a totally like opposite. he's a Ben Stiller character. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the when he's like playing Ben Stiller, like United Museums yeah. and I. Yeah. And come it. on, you get Jason Bateman and Lumberg doing announcing for the Ocho. Oh yeah, the Ocho. Bateman though, had gone off the grid for a while, though. Yeah. Not not eighties, but there's a Ben Stiller Taylor Leone movie that is one of my all time favorite comedies, Flirting with Disaster. Mm. Really? Yeah, you should check that out. Um. I'm I'm pretty sure it was like mid mid to late nineties. Um now, we, we haven't actually talked about two of the foundational ones for me here. And it's yeah. kinda like mid eighties, late eighties. Um and I'm not I'm not probably going in the direction you think of. I'm skipping like all the Hughes stuff. Yeah. Um Fish Called Wanda. Yes, it's which on came my in list at the here. very yeah. end of the decade. Yeah. That but... was probably like eighty eight. Eight. Yeah, it was probably like fourteen. Yeah. Monty and Python's Bulldog. meaning of life was oh, you my know. God. Yep. And Bull Durham, good point. Yep. Bull Durham was a oh, big yeah. one. I was Major League movie. in the 80s? 89? Um, Let me find it, out. Yeah, it could have been. Because I feel like it was before Bull Durham um, in terms um, of baseball. That's a good question. Bull Durham was, again, late 80s. Yeah. 89. 89 yeah. for But it league. gave you the Kevin Costner can play in any sports movie. Well, I mean, yeah. Right up to like GM of an NFL team, golfer. <laughs> like Tin Cup was amazing. Love Tin Cup. What was the one he pitched for the Tigers? He was like the older guy pitching for the Tigers. Uh, for Love of the Game. For Love of the Game, yeah. And it, the entire movie takes place in flashbacks during yeah. one, what, his yeah. last start, right? Yeah. Yeah. He can do it. Yeah. We, yeah. we, uh, we should do a Kevin Durham, Costner. Major League 89. Yeah. We should do a Kevin Costner career, career overview. Uh, there's all it's kinds insane. of good and bad there. Yeah, there's a when lot of bad. When are we going to do Kevin Bacon month? Ooh. We got... 
It's got you can bacon do a whole in it. I mean, run of episodes. It only, yep. like, so if we do that, we all have to be eating a plate full of bacon while we do the episode just because <laughs> uh, I'll get hungry. Uh, okay. <laughs> Eat so but, much that he didn't. Yeah. So, so, so obviously, like, we didn't, so obviously, like, we're not even scratching the surface of stuff. No. I mean, there's no way. It's just more just like, oh. I got one more. Go right. for it. That I can't stop. And it kind of goes off genre, but I think it kind of kicked off a lot of what we've watched since. Mm-hmm. And that's Heather's. Yeah, the whole that was the first Very really dark, you know, def, dark, dark comedy. comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going down. A diff- they're sitting on the family sofa talking about how they're going to bomb the high school with the father as he's working yeah. out Talk about <laughs> something you can't really do now. Oh, that yeah. would be tough. Well, they did on TV, didn't they? You, they did. They rebooted it on yeah. the Paramount Network, for but they neutered it, didn't they? Episodes or they neutered the fuck like out of it. That. I heard. Yeah. yeah, it's with a backdrop of teenage suicide. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not funny. It would be tough to pull it off, but that was the first really dark comedy I remember watching. The rest of them were like color by numbers. Check yeah. the box. You can listen yeah. to Act One, this and Act Two, this and Act Three. Well, that was the first big a, one for me. A different kind of dark comedy. I think it was like '85. You had Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So hmm. you had Paul Rubens taking I've this still never seen fairly those. mature character off the stage with Tim Burton, and there's some pretty dark shit in that too. But again, I watched the hell out of it. I love Pee Wee. Not nearly as dark as his later work. No, <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> you know, like, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, yeah. Well, no, I mean Batman. <laughs> is pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yet you, you know, um, you know, you had like all the Michael J. Fox movies. You had your Teen Wolf. You know, about Peter we talked about. Yeah. Secret of My Success. Secret yeah. of My Success was awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. a good movie. I need to I watch Michael that again. Michael J. Fox, who just re- officially retired from acting, the poor guy. Yeah. But, yeah, but look at where we are. Decades past when we thought we might lose him from acting. I mean, that's yeah. that's great. All-timer, man. Yeah. All-timer. His run, unrelated, but his little three-episode arc on Scrubs back in the day. I never saw it. Oh, my God. He was um, he played mm-hmm. a doctor with like an obsessive-compulsive surgeon, and he's always caught. So to to kind of like make it so you could hide the, the Parkinson stuff, he'd always be washing his hands or fidgeting with stuff. Uh, and he goes in one day, uh, JD goes in one day and you sit there and he's like, I just can't stop washing my goddamn hands. And he's like starting to break down. It was an amazing, amazing. I think he won an, uh, an Emmy, an Emmy for that. For nice. Yeah. Nice. So, all right. So bring us the top cool. three, DJ. Well, real quick, real quick, before we do okay. that, yeah, it's just, just pick one. Give me your goat 80s comedy. Oh, man. I, I, for me, it's real genius. Okay. For me, it's weird science. <laughs> okay. Chris is I like, was going oh. between the two of them, so no, no, I have to go off script. Coming to America, the two of you. Go. Yeah, coming to America would be because yeah. uh, those two I watched a ton early in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Could probably still. I mean, good lord, I can't not think about the eighties without thinking about women's gymnastics. But <laughs> and being fascinated by the fact that the principal from the um, smoking in the boys' room video was one of the goons that busted into the house. In Weird Science, when they broke up the party. Oh, the yeah, The big yeah, bald yeah. guy yeah, then yeah. played the principal, and which kind of Oh, the guy from The Hills Have time. Eyes? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the motorcycle guys. And I, th- um, and, and he makes of, reference to the fact that, uh, he's a t- can you not tell teacher. anybody about this? Yeah. I'm, my I'm a job. substitute teacher. Yeah, exactly. They kind of <laughs> tried to tie the whole thing together. Um, if I had to pick between the two of yours, I mean, Coming to America is going to be mine. Yeah. I'd have to give it, as much as I love Real Genius, mm-hmm. the Robert Downey Jr., the cast of Weird Science, yeah, could probably put it over oh, the yeah. top for me. Yep. That yeah. might be Young Tony Stark. That's what I picture him doing when he's just a, you know, rich drunk punk. 
Yeah. Nice, and weird nice. weird science is is a if broader like it's it's a much more accessible general comedy than real geniuses. It's just mm-hmm. the special you know, it's special to me. Cool. I taught my daughter the cha cha scene from Real Genius <laughs> early on. Take a step forward, <laughs> take a step back. Uh, that reminds me of one we didn't mention, but I'm pretty sure it was 80's top secret. Um, didn't didn't have as big a, an audience as others, but if you never saw it, it's uh, it it That's definitely fits Kilmer into one, right? yeah, Val cover. Kilmer. Yep, yeah. yep. An oh. underwater, an underwater. I think it was an underwater bar fight that just ludicrous. Um, mm. uh, awesome. I'm gonna watch movies all day today. After, <laughs> yes, after exactly. I do all my other stuff, I have to do. I think I'm, I'm going to be building a playlist after this time. I'm going to be sending oh, yeah. so a Christmas we've done, list. We've done yep. top three movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. We've done top three 80s movie scores on our previous one. So yep. now we're going down to the song level. Okay. The impossible task, which we will definitely yeah. have to revisit and change a million times over. But give me your top three movie songs. These are from like the 80s. Yeah, yeah, songs from movie soundtracks. Yeah. So this is definitely. There, there's awesome. an infinite list here, but I didn't have trouble picking I, a picking a handful that you know that stick out for me. Though, yeah, we could revisit this a hundred times with a different list. But yeah, um, I had a few honorable mentions. Um, okay. Uh, Don't you forget about me? Uh, Simple Minds from uh, Breakfast Club just had you know when I hear it, I'm immediately in the '80s in the mood from the end of that movie you know, kind of wistful, victorious awesomeness. Um, in your eyes, Peter Gabriel from Say Anything, um, mm-hmm. it felt like for a while you heard that song everywhere, but it's such an amazing, amazing song and made that soundtrack. I mean, there were other great songs on there in Living Color and other stuff, but but fantastic. And then finally, the song Maniac from Flashdance, uh, Michael Cimbello, um, I have that that's, one. yeah, such a, um, I'm so into synthesizers and particularly the songwriting and production of Michael Cimbello was a huge thing for me. Um, so that, that one sticks out as an honorable mention. How about you, Chris? Excellent. Um, this one, we could have done an entire episode on this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I 12, I wrote down 12 off the top of my head Jeez. and as we're talking, I'm thinking of all the stuff that I forgot. We oh, could have yeah. filled a notebook with this thing. So I will try my best, and I feel bad that I'm leaving some of these off. But I'm going to try to bundle things up in honorable mentions. Um, I'm going to give a Prince honorable mention mm-hmm. to the combo package of Bat Dance and When Doves Cry. Or Purple Rain. Yeah. or <laughs> Purple Rain. I mean, yeah, pick your <laughs> yes. song off that album. Yeah. Um, another combo. And this is kind of, this plays into the Sean world a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. The combination of Axel F and The Heat Is On by Glenn Fry. Yeah, nice. Like you have two really strong tracks off that Absolutely. album. Um, yeah. And then my last honorable mention, going from, I'm sure DJ loves this movie because you know nobody puts <laughs> baby in a corner. I'm going Eric Carmen's Hungry Eyes. Ooh. Oh, I thought, thought you were going to go, she's like the wind. my life. Oh, see, there's the no, right there. No, no, no. Because, you know, see, I wanted to do that. But then I said, no, we're going to save and do another top three of shitty songs done by actors because you brought up the Bruce Willis thing. <laughs> yeah, that's She's Like the Wind. So we have Bruce. We got, oh my God, Don Don Johnson. Johnson's going to come Except that's in, not Jack a shitty Wagner. song. That's a good song done by Which an actor. Which one? She's Like Don the Don Johnson's wind. heartbeat is a oh, no. piece of shit. 
Oh yeah. I, I heard that last night. Why was I hearing that last night? In for a holiday. Oh, it was in the latest episode of Young Sheldon. Pipes Chris. Um What? Thank you. Young Sheldon, which is surprisingly enjoyable. But yeah, Don Johnson's heartbeat featured oh, in that. Oh, we're going to save that. So everybody that just heard this <laughs> nice. forget we talked about any of those? <laughs> yes. All right, what's your honorable mentions, DJ? Okay, so I tried to pick songs that were like things like I still like listen to, like I put them on gym playlists and stuff. I still listen to them in the car. So and you they're didn't all have playlists. Then you had like a Walkman. I. Well, That's why Maniac made Sean's honorable mentions. I picture him doing Beat Saber. <laughs> if Beat Saber had existed, then yeah. Now I want. Now I want an '80s Beat Saber music. He's gonna pack. go download Maniac on Beat them. Saber, and he's gonna oh, tear his fucking it's... rotator cuff. Um, <laughs> He's going to blow out a hamstring on the first couple steps. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, so I picked I picked three. Um, and none of these, like, I don't have Ghostbusters on my list or anything like that because I, I can't listen to them no. all the time. But I yeah. went um, Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham, the theme song from the Vacation I don't think I know that song. I mean, I'm you do, it's, just, it's, the, it's the song from the, the oh. beginning of every. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, don't, I just, I love that song. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I went uh, uh, "Good Enough for Me," the Goonies song oh, by Cindy yeah. Lauper. I figured you'd say nice. I love yeah, that I one. I avoided Goonies on purpose for you. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, my last one, I had uh, "Time of My Life." <laughs> nice. I knew I was getting yeah. the dirty dancing out of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean that soundtrack is a and I chose banger, right. So. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well. Like we said, these these are just highlights. They're in no yeah, way, ex, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. tossing out the millions of other like options. the little coloring books we had when we were kids. Highlights, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so my number three, um, uh, the power of love, Huey Lewis from Back to the Future. Um, I just can't hear it without both thinking of that movie and the great scene that that's from, but also, I love Huey Lewis. I lived in Northern California in the late eighties you know, the, the album Sports and this whole time frame mm. was just such a great mix of kind of straight ahead pop rock, but but with some great elements. The the synth horns in Power of Love uh, were huge for me as a keyboard player. Just that bright, bap, bap, you know, just that song rocks. And so it definitely is a highlight for me. So not to mess up rotation, if I could just skip Chris for a minute, my number three is also Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News. <laughs> For all the same reasons. Yeah. I love Huey Lewis. Yeah. Um, that song's great. I have that song covered by other bands, I, and it's, it just holds up. It's just a good, good song. Nice. I avoided anything Back to the Future related in deference to DJ, assuming that it was all going to be coming yep. from there. I did not. I <laughs> um, thought it might hit it, but I don't That was the given. My other yep. two were off the cusp, but that yep. was my given. This, It's interesting, because this is the last... Um, I think the 80s is really the last gasp of your maybe early 90s where these movie companies were actually hiring massive names to come up with teams. Like you yeah. go through like an Eric Clapton's catalog, or we mm -hmm. talked about Kenny Loggins, those kind of guys, like they pop up all over the place. Okay. They have yeah. massive careers on their own, but then it's randomly, they have one track here yep. on some movie you've never heard of, but you know, somebody a wrote a check. They did a track. So my number three is I tried to combine eighties icon Mm -hmm. with somebody that actually did a couple movie soundtrack songs as well. Um, chose one that she wasn't in. I Went Crazy For You by Madonna. Oh, the Vision yes. Quest soundtrack. Yes. What movie was that from? Vision Quest. Vision Quest ah, with Matthew okay. Bodine. Yeah. I, that that yep. song, definitely an all-time favorite from the 80s. I love Madonna. It, when I was thinking of people, that's 
that was like peak Madonna. It was like right around like a virgin time. It was like yep. mid eighties, right when that whole yep. thing popped. And it's like, Oh, who's hot now? We have a movie coming yep. out. Give her a song. Yeah. And that song, like you still hear that thing in constant rotation on any of your eighties stations. And that the, you know, in addition to her, her voice and the songs, one of the big things for Madonna for me and, and that song, heavy use of synthesizers and electronic production and stuff like that, you know, dance, you know, coming out of the New York dance scene, you know, great, great stuff. Nice pick. Excellent. So DJ's number three, we already hit. Yep. Power of Love. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. So it comes around to my number two. It's a movie that we didn't actually mention. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, the group called Yellow, Y-E-L-L-O, mm-hmm. and the song Oh Yeah. Oh. I mean, just exactly, right? We just uh, we just watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off with with the girls a couple nights ago. Um, you know, it it still holds up. It's such a silly, stupid, awesome movie. But that song kind of peppered throughout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know that that song again synthesizers. You know, sampling, production, all all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's such an effective underscore, both in the trailer. And in the movie, it's got such a mood to it that that uh, that elevates whatever you're looking at while you're hearing it. It just injects it with awesomeness and and uh, you know sly humor. So, oh yeah, nice, excellent, excellent. Um, I tried to stay you know comfortably in that '80s cheese lane for a little bit here. Uh, my number two is for another. I think is an underrated movie that I saw a ton on HBO mm-hmm. when this thing first popped up. We're going Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, <laughs> Rhythm of the Night by DeBage. Oh. I love DeBage. <laughs> and it also has the backdoor Prince tie-in. Yes. Because Vanity yep. played the yes. eye candy in this movie. Yeah, Another movie awesome. that you couldn't possibly... You essentially have a Soul Train-esque club, but it's... It's another one you couldn't play in this type environment mm-hmm. because you play with racial stereotypes way too much. Mm-hmm. And you basically have Urkel playing, you know, Bruce Lee. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> Bruce Leroy. Yeah, but great song. Oh, great it's ball. definitely very Debaj was all over yeah. the 80s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Two DJ. So, you know, here's stupid me think I'm going to go like off the, off the cusp and have like some like good polls. Uh, my number two is crazy for you from Vision Quest. <laughs> um, but here's the kicker. Dirty dancing. For all our infinite Vision stuff. Quest. Yeah. Here's Hell the kicker. Yeah. I don't even like Madonna. This is like the only Madonna song I like. And oh. I love this fucking song. Yeah. Um, it's a great uh, mood. It's yeah, it is. And song. once again, too, is like this is another song where. A lot of these 80, like movie songs like that, there's been like, you know, like punk bands like Me First and the Gimme Gimme's or, mm-hmm. you know, that have covered mm-hmm. it. So I have like six different cover versions of Crazy For You and they're all great. Nice. It holds up like in any way you, any way you mix the song, it just holds up well. Yep. See, what the fuck's great wrong with song. you, Sean? Where were you? Huh? What do you mean? <laughs> so far, we both hit Dirty Dancing and fucking Crazy For You uh, out of all the songs. I said DJ's Dirty Dang Dancing the- song before he did. I just didn't put it on my list. Hey, whatever. There okay. <laughs> awesome. So that was your number two. Yep. All right. So my number one um, already did get a mention, but but it was mm. you know 
clear, unambiguous in my head from the second we we thought of this. Axel F, um, synthesizers, Harold Faltermeyer, one of my favorite both score composers, and you know we've discussed him many times in the past. But that song for me is '80s, is '80s comedy, is you know is buddy movies, and you know, but it's also just synthesizers, right? I've I've recorded versions of that myself on every synthesizer I've ever owned, on every recording setup I've ever owned, um, up until the last 20 years when I became an artless dad and husband. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it, once they got married and had kids, yeah, all the joy I mean, I can, my life. you know, I can still sit down Free and play the game, yeah. you know, <laughs> I can play the bass, I can play the lead, I can play the little marimba parts from the beginning. It's, you know, I, I love Axel F. So my number one without Without question. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I'm going slightly off the cuff again. Um, more thinking the movie led me to the song in this one. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of it is a collaboration of people that we still watch act to this day. I'm going off the less than zero soundtrack. Ooh. Hazy Shade of Winter. By yes. The you know what? I almost thought of that. But as a song, it's not, you know, it's not. The song, I, I love the so song. so good, can, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a great. great song. And then you go back and look at the cast that was in that movie. Mm. I mean, it made me think, but we were just watching The Blacklist again uh, uh, the other night. Spader, and Heather's yeah. like, oh, Spader's getting old looking. I'm like, well, that's because he started acting in like 82 or something. I mean, he's yeah. been around forever and a day. Young Robert Downey Jr. In a real challenging, that, vulnerable role. Mm. I mean, that was, you know, that was a tough, tough movie for his character. The out of control drug habit. You got um, who's the eye candy? Jamie Gertz. Hmm, I forget. She, yeah. she played the lead in that one. I think she did. Andrew McCarthy's in that one. Yeah. You know, pre mannequin. Yep. Yeah. I think it was pre mannequin. Yeah. I might have my years Maybe. off a little yeah. bit. Um. Nice. Awesome. So, and the bangles were were huge. The bangles were that so hot. So now isn't, I don't know who is Hazy Shade of Winter a cover of um somebody from the sixties? Like, um. Peter, Paul, and Mary, or Paul Simon, or something. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it might have been. sticks in my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely, um, they said it. And that's that band was distinctly 80s. Yeah. That's the oh, age yeah. where you'd have a band would get so big that they would create a movie vehicle for the lead singer of the band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to kind of plug them into so you could see them more. Yeah. Um, Simon and Garfunkel recorded in October yeah. of 1966. Yep. Nice. Wow. They did it wow. better. Oh, no, they did it better than than Bangles. No, no, no. They <laughs> the did Bangles, better. Did, Bangles yeah. did it better than Simon and Garfunkel. Oh yeah, yeah. Though it's it, it's tough to call better, right? I mean, it's anchored in the movie and the time and the production of that song, but exactly. it's so that, good. It just has yeah. such a hook to that movie. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's my number one. Yeah. Nice, nice. DJ, uh, little little aside, uh, male point of view. Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles might be one of the oh, hottest all, human all beings ever yeah. born onto this yeah, planet. Absolutely. She, yep. She, did you see the movie that was? I think she coined the well, they coined the phrase spinner for her. Um <laughs> they created an entire movie for what was the all nighter. That was and it, she's basically yeah. a college party girl, I think. All right. It's it's a beach thing. She's in skimpy clothes. She still looks amazing. Pseudo romance. Yeah, she kind of looks barely aged. exactly the same. Oh yeah. my god, it's it's, it's unreal. It. Nope, she okay. was always high on the list. Yeah. So I, 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 I swear guys was not playing, but so Chris brought up, you know, um, James Spader and Andrew McCarthy and, uh, my number one 80s song is, uh, nothing's going to stop us now by Starship from Man. Oh, 
what movie was it from? Mannequin. It's the song oh, from the end of it's the theme Mannequin. song from Mannequin. I love Starship um, Man. Great I know, like, song. I like me and Zach used to watch that movie fucking weekly. I know. I know. Weekly. Mm-hmm. Love that movie. I, so I have good. no business liking that movie. It's not a good movie. <laughs> It's oh not. my god, it's gold. Stop it. <laughs> Love that movie. It's pure eighties comedy. That's it is. Sure. I mean that, that movie is like eighties like to a T. Estelle Getty yeah. just swinging from the side and getting ass burnt by a wire. It's... Uh but yeah, oh. no, I I that song, like I love that song. If that song comes on like, you know, eighties on eight, yep. vo- speakers get maxed out. I yes. didn't know I didn't know it was a movie song. I just love Starship from that that era. Um yeah. it's just so produced, so over the top, so full of Joy, you know, it's yeah. awesome. Good was it? Call. I mean, wasn't there like nine people in that band? That was a huge band. Wasn't it, it? It, there's a lot of people. It was a rotating yeah. cast of I, I, characters. Yeah, there. I know. Like they had the one, two singers, then one, then two. Then they kept flipping. Yeah, more Grace out Slick, and, the, and I don't um, remember the dude. Yeah, mm. it was the dude from Designing Women, right? That played. Yeah. Uh. Uh. uh what the hell is his name? The gay gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holly, he plays the, Hollywood. I, yeah, yeah. I can never. He's got a. He's got a um a, a weird name. Hold on. Uh, it's, but it's he not, showed up. Malik something. Um, I can picture him very clearly. Yeah. Because then he showed up on the show. Was designing women after that? Meshock Taylor. Same time. Mish- yeah, Meshock Taylor. Yeah, he plays yeah. Hollywood in both Mannequin and Mannequin Two. Um, James Bader's in it. Uh, Captain Harris. He's the dickhead I cop, like security Spader guard in that one too. And everything. you know, I just brought up Susanna Hoff. I mean, Kim Cattrall basically. Was the 80s. that was Kim Cattrall at her peak? That was yeah. like peak Kim Cattrall. Yep, that I mean, Police Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who else? Estelle Getty's in that movie. Um, I mean, yeah, great movie, great movie. Awesome. Well, this this is a that was fun. It's a the nice... all nighter, nineteen eighty seven. Oh my, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have I'm going to down that. a rabbit hole. Um, Sean, watch your Slack feed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Understood. Um, um, okay. So, Sean had good. Power Off and Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. From Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Axel F. from Beverly Hills Cop. Chris had Crazy for You from Vision Quest, uh, Rhythm of the Night from The Last Dragon, and uh, Hazy Shade of Winter. And I had Power Off and Back to the Future, Crazy for You from Vision Quest, and Nothing's Gonna Stop Us from Mannequin. Not as diverse as I thought it was going to be. No, but so much <laughs> happiness. So much joy. I know. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, crank eighties on eight. 80s. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna watch yeah, some eighties exactly. movies. Yep. All right, Definitely. man. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, so, good stuff. Um, yeah. Yep. So everyone, thanks for listening. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, give us an idea for a top three for Christmas this year. We need to do a Christmas episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> and we're have we done we're... the top three things we hate about Christmas? <laughs> we Hold on, I got my scroll. Yeah, exactly. It's a long top list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> top thirty. All right. Top three guys, done. Have a great day. You too, guys. Have a good one. You too, guys. Enjoy. Later. Bye. Bye.